This is the Dynamic Thinking Project, themindtechinstitute.com. The reason I have chosen this topic today, because in the upcoming episodes, we are going to be diving into some really bizarre phenomena. And that isn't only one phenomenon, but I mean phenomena, and that's plural. I'm talking about things such as alien abductions, missing time, absentia, the Mandela or quantum effect, and other strange things. Now, I know some people might think, oh, really? Well, yeah, really. Because we have to be fair with the way we look at things here. And in order to understand at least a glimpse of such phenomena, we must understand what cognitive dissonance is to be able at least to differentiate between a playful imagination, an influence or influences, an idea, and a fact. And that's actually what we teach our counseling, hypnotherapy, and NLP students to be open-minded, to be fair and not to dismiss things based on their opinion and belief systems. And if you are interested in becoming a qualified counselor, hypnotherapist, or NLP practitioner, you can simply study all that now online. All you have to do, just go to themindtechinstitute.com or mti.edu.au. So going back to the main subject, cognitive dissonance refers to a situation involving conflicting attitudes, beliefs, or behaviors. This produces a feeling of discomfort leading to an alternation in one of the attitudes, beliefs, or behaviors just to reduce the discomfort and restore balance. For example, when people smoke, which is a behavior, and they know, uh, and um, I'm going to emphasize again, they know that smoking is harmful and may cause cancer. Now, knowing is cognition. So cognitive dissonance is the feeling of an uncomfortable tension which comes from holding two conflicting thoughts in the mind at the same time. Dissonance increases with the importance of the subject to us, how strongly the dissonant thoughts conflict, and our inability to rationalize and explain away the conflict. Dissonance is often strong when we believe something about ourselves and then uh, do something against that belief. For example, if you believe that you're a good or a decent person, but do something bad, then the discomfort you feel as a result is cognitive dissonance. Now, I won't say the feeling of guilt because that's another topic, but yes, Guilt can be a motivator leading to cognitive dissonance or the other way around. Cognitive dissonance is a very powerful uh, motivator which will often lead us to uh, change one or other conflicting belief or action. The discomfort often feels like um, a tension between the two um, opposing thoughts. Now, to release the tension, we can take one of three actions. The first one is 
to change our behavior. The second one is to justify our behavior by changing the conflicting cognition. And the third one is to justify our behavior by adding new cognitions. But of course, in therapy, especially in counseling, NLP and hypnotherapy, we use other techniques such as parts integration, the stem therapy and others. And of course, if you would like to learn more about that or become a qualified hypnotherapist, a counselor or NLP practitioner, you can visit our website, themindtechinstitute.com. And once again, all that can be studied online. Moving on, dissonance is most powerful when it's about our self-image. You see, the feelings of foolishness, immorality, and so on, including um, internal projections during decision-making, are dissonance in action. If an action has been uh, completed and cannot be undone, then the after-the-effect dissonance compels us to change our beliefs. If beliefs are moved, then the dissonance appears during decision-making, forcing us to take actions we would not have taken before. Cognitive dissonance appears in virtually all evaluations and decisions and um, is the central mechanism by which we experience new differences in the world. You see, when we see other people behave differently to our images of them, when we hold any conflicting thoughts, we experience dissonance. Dissonance increases with the um, importance and impact of decision, along with the difficulty of revising it. And of course, the discomfort about making the wrong choice of buying a car is bigger than when choosing a cover for your cell phone to buy. Festinger in 1957, who was a psychologist, he uh, came up with this theory called cognitive dissonance theory. He suggested that we have an inner drive to hold all our attitudes and beliefs in harmony and avoid disharmony or dissonance. Attitudes may change because of factors within the person. You see, an important factor here is the principle of uh, uh, cognitive consistency, which was the focus of Festinger's in 1957's uh, theory of uh, cognitive dissonance. This theory starts from the idea that um, we seek uh, consistency in our beliefs and attitudes in any situation where two cognitions are inconsistent. Also, Leon Festinger in 1957 proposed cognitive dissonance theory, which states that a powerful motive to maintain cognitive consistency can give rise to irrational and sometimes maladaptive behavior. When uh, Festinger first uh, developed the theory to explain how members of court uh, who were persuaded by their leader, a certain uh, Mrs. Kish, that the earth was going to be destroyed on the 21st uh, of December, uh, 
And um, that they alone were going to be rescued by aliens actually increased their commitment to the cult when uh, this didn't happen. Festinger himself has infiltrated the cult and would have been very surprised to meet with some aliens. The dissonance of the thought of being, of course, so nonsensical was so great that instead they revised their beliefs to meet with obvious facts, which were that the aliens had, through their concern for the cult, saved the world instead. So, according to Festinger, we hold many cognitions about the world and ourselves when they clash. An inconsistency when they clash, an inconsistency evoked, resulting in a state of tension known as cognitive dissonance. And as the experience of dissonance is unpleasant, we are motivated to reduce or eliminate it and achieve consent or agreement. Now, how attitude change does take place? Well, according to uh, the cognitive dissonance theory, there is a tendency of individuals to seek consistency among their, for example, beliefs, opinions. Now, when there is an inconsistency between attitudes or behaviors, which is dissonance, sometimes we must change to eliminate the dissonance. And in an intriguing experiment, Festinger and Carl Smith in 1959, asked participants to perform a series of dull or um, boring tasks, such as turning pegs into pegboard for an hour. As you can imagine, participants' attitudes toward this uh, boring task were highly negative. Festinger and Carl Smith in 1959 uh, investigated if making people perform a dull task would create cognitive dissonance through forced compliance behavior. You see, in their laboratory experiment, they used 71 male students as participants to perform a series of uh, those um, dull tasks such as turning pegs into pegboard for an hour. They were then paid either $1 to $20 to till a waiting participant, a confederate, that the tasks were really interesting. Almost all the participants agreed to walk into the um, waiting room and persuade the participants that the boring experiment would actually be fun. Now, the results were, when the participants were asked to evaluate the experiment, the participants who were paid only $1 rated the uh, tedious <laughs> task as more fun and enjoyable than the participants who were paid $20 to lie. And of course, the conclusion was, being paid only $1, it's not sufficient incentive for lying. And so those who were paid $1 experienced dissonance. They could only overcome the dissonance by um, coming to believe that the tasks really were interesting and enjoyable. Being paid $20 provides a reason for 
turning pegs and there is therefore no dissonance. So how about in decision making? As you know that life is filled with decisions and decisions as a general rule arouse dissonance. For example, suppose you had to decide whether to accept a job um, in an absolutely beautiful area of the country or turn down the job so you could be near your friends or family or your loved ones. Now, either way, you would experience dissonance. If you took the job, you would miss your loved ones. If you turned down the job, you would pine for the beautiful streams, mountains, and valleys. Both alternatives have their good and bad points. The rub is that making a decision cuts off the possibility that you can enjoy the advantages of the uh, unchosen alternative. Yet, it assures you that you must accept the disadvantages of the chosen alternative. You see, people have several ways to reduce dissonance that is aroused by making a decision according to uh, Festinger in 1964. One thing they can do is to change their behavior, as you remember earlier. This is often very difficult. So people frequently employ a variety of mental maneuvers. A common way to reduce dissonance is to increase the attractiveness of the chosen alternative and decrease the attractiveness of the rejected alternative. This is referred to as spreading apart the alternatives. Also, Bram in 1956 was the first to investigate the relation between dissonance and decision-making. Female participants were informed they would be um, uh, helping out in a uh, uh, study funded by several manufacturers. Participants were also told that they, um, they would receive one of the products at the end of the experiment to compensate for their time and efforts. The woman then rated the desirability of eight household uh, products that ranged in prices from $15 to $30. The products included a uh, coffee maker, uh, an electric sandwich grill, a toaster, and a portable radio. So participants in the control group were simply given one of the products because these participants didn't make a decision. They didn't have uh, any dissonance to reduce. Individuals in the low dissonance group chose between a desirable product and one rated three points lower on an uh, eight-point scale. Participants in the high dissonance condition chose between a highly desirable product and one rated just one point lower on the eight-point scale. After reading the um, uh, reports about the various products, individuals rated the products again. Participants in the high dissonance condition uh, spread apart the alternative significantly more than they did the participants in the other two conditions. In other words, there were more likely participants in the other two conditions to increase the attractiveness of the chosen alternative and to decrease the attractiveness of the unchosen alternative.
Now, effort also seemed to be the case that we value most highly those goals or items which have required considerable um, effort to achieve. You see, this is probably because dissonance would be caused if we spent a greater effort to achieve something and then evaluated negatively. We could, of course, spend years of effort into achieving something which turns out to be a load of trash. And then in order to avoid the dissonance uh, that produces, we really try to convince ourselves that we didn't really spend years of effort or that the effort was really quite enjoyable or that it wasn't really a lot of effort. In fact, though, it seems we find it easier to persuade ourselves that what we have achieved is worthwhile. And that's what most of us do. Evaluating highly something whose uh, achievement has cost us much, whether people think it's much or not, this method of reducing dissonance is known as effort justification. And if you go back to episode four, those who paid so much for a motivational seminar, we're talking about $10,000 and above, they usually convince themselves by justifying the effort of paying much or the effort of the person they attended his or her seminar. So if we put effort into a task which we have chosen to carry out and the task turns out badly, we experience dissonance. And to reduce this dissonance, we are motivated to try to think that the task turned out well, or the seminar or the product was good. Also, there is a classic uh, dissonance experiment was conducted by Aronsons and Mills in 1959. They demonstrate the basic idea. And the aim of that experiment is to investigate the relationship between dissonance and effort. The method of the experiment was female students were volunteered to take uh, part in a discussion on the psychology of sex. And in this mild embarrassment condition, participants read aloud uh, to a male experimenter a list of sex-related words like virgin and prostitute. In this severe embarrassment condition, they had to read aloud obscene words and uh, a very explicit sexual passage. In a control condition, they went straight into the main study. In all the conditions, they then heard a very boring discussion about sex in different animals. They were asked to rate how interesting uh, they had found the uh, discussion and how um, interesting they had found the people involved in it. And the results were participants in the severe embarrassment condition gave the most positive rating. And the conclusion, if a voluntary experience which has cost us a lot of effort turns out badly, dissonance is reduced by uh, redefining the experience as interesting. This justifies the effort made. Now, 
critical evaluation. There has been a great deal of research into cognitive dissonance, providing some interesting and sometimes unexpected findings. It's a theory with very uh, broad applications showing that we aim for consistency between attitudes and behaviors and may not use very uh, rational methods to achieve it by scientific means, and I mean experiments. However, and just to be fair here, there is a problem from a scientific point of view because we cannot physically observe cognitive dissonance and therefore we cannot objectively measure it, which is behaviorism. Consequently, the term cognitive dissonance is somewhat subjective. There is also some ambiguity or vagueness about the term dissonance itself. It's a perception, as cognitive suggests, or a feeling about perception. And Aaron's revision of the idea of dissonance as inconsistency between um, a person's self-concept and cognition about their behavior makes it seem likely that uh, dissonance is really nothing more than guilt. There are also individual differences in whether or not people act as uh, this theory predicts. Highly anxious people are more likely to do so. Many people seem able to cope with considerable dissonance and not experience the tensions the theory predicts. Finally, many of the studies uh, supporting the theory of cognitive dissonance have low uh, ecological validity. For example, turning pegs, as in Festing's uh, experiment, is an artificial task that it doesn't happen in everyday life. Also, the majority of the experiments used students as participants, which raised the issue of a biased sample. So, could we generalize the results from such experiments? I will leave that to you to decide. Also, could all these changes that we see and um, other people actually see related to the phenomenon of the Mandela effect or quantum effect, which we're going to have a whole episode or maybe more about it, could all these changes uh, be nothing but a case of mass cognitive dissonance, for example? I mean, really, this Mandela effect is spooky as hell. But that would be for a very soon episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, you can email me. The email is on our website, themindtechinstitute.com and don't forget to like, share and subscribe until next time take care